Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mir is hurt now. Oh! Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Brett Mir does it again. Rock em, suck em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. It is Monday, August 3rd. The year's 2020. Probably won't forget this year. It's episode 261 of the Anakin Florian podcast. What's up, kid? What's going on out there in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been interesting so far, man. I uh, think things are good. We don't have to deal with any hurricanes over here. Uh, right. No earthquakes. Everything is safe for now. First time in my life I've rooted for a hurricane. I hope that isn't insensitive. But right now as we're starting the podcast, it's 6.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Monday. The sky is as bad as it's looked here in South Florida. So we avoided any sort of damage. It is interesting, though, when you – when you have to put hurricane shutters on your home, right? So I – part of my house has hurricane windows. Part of it does not. So – in terms of the decision as to whether or not to close the hurricane shutters, right? Like for me, if it's a category five or four, certainly you're out there and you're closing the hurricane shutters. Yeah. But for this thing that looked like a cat one that had 
a, a good chance to be downgraded to a tropical storm. I didn't do anything. I didn't bring in pool floats or anything, and that right. proved to be the right decision. But you can't help but feel for your neighbor who hired a guy to come put the hurricane shutter at the top of the house shut and everything else. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we avoided disaster down here. But, you know, when you live down here, it's a very real part of this part of the year. That's all. It's unbelievable. So did you have to did, – did the hurricane shutters come with the house? Was it something yes. you had to put – okay, all right. So that's good. And I had some windows break on the front of the house for whatever reason. So I did the whole front of the house, have hurricane windows, so now I can look out at the weather. See, I love weather. I was right. excited to hunker down, and I was, you know, not afraid to lose power, lose the internet. I wanted my daughters to lose the internet for a little bit to see how they'd react, but uh, that was not our reality. So Mixed Martial Arts gives us a lot to talk about on a week-by-week basis. We're going to get into a big main event win for Derek Brunson, but right before we came on the air, another baseball game or series was canceled. I think 13 St. Louis Cardinals, Ken Flo, and Major League Baseball players and staff combined have tested positive for COVID-19. And I feel for these people. I fear for all these sports leagues that have more intimate interaction than the UFC does. But I just have to wonder aloud whether the UFC cuts my paycheck or not. Like, did the Major League Baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred, think about reaching out to Dana White in the UFC? Right. Did any of these teams think to maybe call the UFC? And I don't think they did. And I sort of wasn't going to go down this path, but I guess my temper is getting shorter with the fact that there seems to be no national acknowledgement, at least here in the U.S., as to what the UFC has been able to pull off. Well, you know, obviously the, the word unprecedented has been thrown around, you know, a lot and it's true, right? It is true. We haven't had to deal with something like this, uh, in a long time anyway, but, uh, you would think that a lot of these professional sport sports leagues are, would reach out to, uh, uh, an organization like the UFC that has been traveling around. It's been doing a bunch of these uh, events now for a little while, uh, to, to learn from them, uh, whether it's their mistakes or, or the positives that well, have right. come out of this to, to figure this whole thing out for their players and, you know, for everyone who's a part of their organization. Right. A lot of it is about the mistakes and correcting those. And obviously the UFC has had a lot of repetitions now in terms of getting shows out the door uh, in this climate. And the latest of which was UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Shabazian. So how about Derek Brunson? I mean, this could be the Derek Brunson Appreciation Hour today, right? 12th UFC win, 8th finish. And maybe if he gets the finish at the end of round two and Herb Dean stops the fight, he has a bonus to go with it. But body of work, big picture. This is an impressive win uh, that adds to a career of them for Derek Brunson. I thought he looked like a grown man in there. Looked like he'd been wrestling in the NCAAs when Edmund Shabazzian was seven years old. Ken, well, what'd you make of uh, DP over the weekend? Well, you know, I think you nailed it right there. I think that really was the difference, the experience factor, the fact that you do have a grown-ass man in there who has been, uh, you know, in the limelight. He's been in a lot of big fights in the UFC before. Uh, and the 22-year-old, right, the 22-year-old yes. Shabazian um, just hasn't. And I think that he lost a tremendous amount of confidence when he realized he could not take out Derek Brunson in round one. Um, I do believe that he lost that fight at that point, and Derek Brunson just took over physically. But mentally, I think that Shabazian handed the fight to him after that first round. Mentally, I don't think he was in it. I, I think that um, he was a little bit shook at the fact that Brunson was still there after, you know, landing a lot of those hard shots on him. Um, Brunson, with that veteran experience, found a way to switch things up, take the fight to the ground, 
um, landed some nice strikes, was blitzing his way in uh, and kind of turned in from from the nail into the hammer and really put it on Shabazzian and and told him, really, hey, you really need to step things up. If you want to fight at a high level here in the UFC, uh, you need more than just a, a big right hand. All right. So before I give more appreciation to Derek Brunson. Let's talk about Edmund Shabazian. Obviously he came in a near three to one favorite. I said last week here on the Anakin Florian podcast that it stood to reason that right now at 22, he could be the best middleweight in the world. Obviously there will be some physical maturation, but in terms of the technique, the overall skill set, uh, I don't know if cardio is linked to emotion necessarily, but he was a ro- on the wrong end of the gas tank equation as well. Where does Shabazian go from here? It's tough to say. Listen, I think, yeah, there's some physical and technical things that he certainly needs to uh, get in order. But more than anything else, I I think mentally he's going to learn a lot from this experience. First of all, you know, how to pace yourself, how to stay composed, how not to force things. It seemed like he had a a couple of combinations in mind that he wanted to throw at Derek Brunson uh, and it worked early on. And he just did not adapt moving forward. And um, he just kind of kept throwing the same combinations except would kind of throw them harder and harder and harder. And it just wasn't working. And I think he just freaked the hell out when he wasn't able to be successful with those combinations anymore, wasn't able to adapt, um, got in his own head. And I I think really panicked out there. Um, Obviously doesn't have the same level of experience as Derek Brunson, as we spoke about still very young at 22 years old. Um, But, you know, I, I think that, from this experience, he will learn a lot. He originally was not going to be a main event. He kind of was thrust into the limelight kind of last minute. And I think all those things kind of uh, had an effect on him. I do think at times it can be a game of inches, right? His style is such that he throws most things to finish. And one of those things lands and maybe that left guard of Brunson is a little bit lower. And this whole Monday morning quarterback is a different conversation, but largely I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just thought Brunson just looked so mentally and physically in it right out of the shoot. Even if he lost the first round on your scorecard or anybody else's defensively sound, I mentioned the left guard was up a lot of knees and elbows on the feet. We talk about his experience, Kenny, but there's no denying the evolution. When you date back to like the suicide mission against Robert Whitaker, this is a completely different athlete and fighter. Now, uh, I'd love to talk about that, actually, because it was in that fight against Robert Whitaker where you didn't see that kind of maturity or that uh, ability to stay composed emotionally in that fight. Um, you know, and I think he's learned a lot, uh, you know, over the years uh, from competing with a lot of excellent competitors. Uh, and he has gained a lot of valuable experience. This was a Derek Brunson who was keeping to, keeping it together, was circling away from that pressure after a little while, um, learned to adapt, and his opponent simply did not. So I think Derek Brunson having that wrestling in his back pocket, uh, knowing how to defend himself when he was in trouble, knowing how to move laterally away from that pressure of Shabazzian, right really helped him in this fight. This was a, a very different Derek Brunson than we saw in the one against Whitaker, for sure. And I'm excited to see now Derek Brunson at 185 pounds. There are going to be a lot of matchups out there for him, and I know he's a name at times that gets called out. Might want to be careful what you wish for, because uh, this guy has taken care of business more often than not, and uh, certainly this Edmund Shabazian win, I think, is going to be a big feather in his cap moving forward. Referee Herb Dean uh, chose not to stop the fight at the end of round two. Uh, same can be said for the ringside physician. Shabazian's corner did not choose to stop the fight at the end of round two, and he just had nothing left there. Ken Flo early round three sort of turtled up and uh, 
the end was an eventuality. Uh, any criticism to be levied at referee or corner for uh, or doctor for not uh, stopping the fight? I didn't seem to have any major issue with it, but I know some have taken issue with how it all played out at the end. Right. I, I didn't have a major issue with it. I, I think Herb Dean went up to, um, you know, Shabazian and, and took a good hard look at him, had the doctor go over and take a look at him as well. Um, so I think that was his way of, of seeing, obviously, if he was able to continue into that third round. I wouldn't have had a problem if he stopped the fight at that point. Um, I think he gave him an extra chance. Um, you know, the doctor went in for confirmation. It looked like he was okay. Shabazzian right. was saying the right things, it seemed. Um, but I, I don't have a major problem with it. Yeah. I did notice that Herb Dean sort of waved off something. I don't know if that would be the bodily movement that would be most preferred for a referee in that situation, right? I think more often than not, when you hear a horn, you put your hand out to sort right, of separate sure. the athletes, but I guess that's neither here nor there. All right, so a lot went into this, right? You had Trevin Giles fainting and unable to fight. Then after this fight card, JoJo Calderwood uh, fell ill eight Bouts all told at UFC Fight Night on August 1st. Smallest event in terms of bout size since UFC 177 in August of 2014. You had 15 fights to close out Fight Island and only eight of them on Saturday night. I was I was feeling good for the broadcast team. Eight bouts must feel like doing like up to halftime of a football game. So a couple other standout performers, and then we will get to Ray Longo, who is immersed in Chris Weidman's fight week. Co-main event in the women's flyweight division. Looks like Jennifer Maya Kenflo might get a title shot now against Valentina Shevchenko. She's a winner by submission over JoJo Calderwood. Scale issue got past that after missing weight in her previous two fights, I believe, and uh, she sub submits JoJo with an arm bar there. I will tell our listeners now, I'm being a little bit long-winded today, but Kenflo did text the group, changed his pick to Maya by finish and uh she looked pretty damn good ken flow in a short fight in the co-main she did you know uh, as i you know went back and really started watching more video on both of these ladies i just i liked the way that maya was going to match up uh, against calderwood um you know joanne just couldn't get her hasn't been able to really improve her footwork and couldn't get that going in this fight she was way too flat-footed maya seemed to be much lighter on her feet was landing sticking and moving uh and calderwood seemed to have a problem with the speed of maya early on she had some success with her long-range weapons with her kicks down the middle but maya was the one who was adapting in the end got that arm bar seemed like calder was calderwood was going to get out of it maya just kind of stuck with it with a like a dog on a bone uh, and ended up getting the finish and Calderwood again, kind of continues to struggle uh, on the mat a little bit. And uh, I would have liked to seen more improvements there. Uh, but obviously that takes a lot more time and man, what a big win for Maya. Uh, and you know, Calderwood obviously had an awesome opportunity. She took the risk of taking on someone like Maya, Maya, just a little bit too dangerous everywhere. How about Bobby Green, Ken Flo? You got to feel good for the veteran, right? Two wins yeah. in seven weeks now and a bonus for good measure. Father of at least two or three. Got to feel good for Bobby Green. And, and that was just such a fun fight. Both guys really brought it. Bobby Green, man, he is a beast. Uh, very tough, excellent feints to kind of set up a lot of his shots. Uh, in the end, I, I felt like his gas tank, his gameness was, was the difference in that fight against Venata. And um, good to see Green get the win. Also on the main card, Vicente Luque by knockout over Randy Brown. If I'm putting together a team of finishers, whether I need a win in the street or a stoppage in the street or in a cage, I mean, this dude is brutal, man. Everything he throws is hard. He is so tough. He's just 
Um, uh, he, he is offense personified everything he throws, man. He's also trying to hurt you with every single shot, but he's always moving forward. Uh, I think a sign of a comfortable striker of an excellent striker is a guy who doesn't just look for one or two shots. Everything Luke throws, he's always throwing three, four, five strikes. You may block one or two of them, but some of those are going to get through and he mixes it up extremely well all the way from feet to floor. This guy throws it all knees, kicks upstairs, downstairs, goes to the body. Uh, and that's what makes Luke makes Luke a such a fan favorite fighter, man. He he's been on fire for a while and he's absolutely one of those guys you can rely on to deliver an excellent performance win or lose. Absolutely. Promoter's dream fun to watch divisionally relevant. He's got it all going for him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in there in a couple months. Uh, even in fights when he gets all beat up, he's ready to make that quick turn. Sure uh, big win for Jonathan Martinez on the prelims over Frankie Signs, and I do want to shout out Jamal Emmers and Vince Cachero. So Jamal Emmers, I, I thought, looked outstanding. Granted, he was fighting a bantamweight. This is a prelim I went out of my way to watch because I, I ran into Cachero's dad in Las Vegas. I think he was working at the Four Seasons, if I'm not mistaken. And this was three or four years ago. He said, look out for my son, Vince. Eventually, wow. he'll be in the UFC. So all the toughness in the world. I mean, on the wrong end of the size equation doesn't even begin to describe it. This kid moving up to featherweight. And I just, I just wanted to shout Vince out. And also this gave me a chance to watch Jamal Emmers over 15 minutes. And certainly for a while, he was the only man to have ever beaten Corey Sandhagen. And, uh, dude looked absolutely fierce. It was a fight he was supposed to win. He threw everything at Vince and, uh, wasn't able to get him out of there, but an entertaining fight on the prelim portion. Nonetheless. All right. Longo in two minutes. First, Ken flow some news. UFC 254 Habib versus Gaethje. October 24th location to be determined but I guess the location really doesn't matter a whole lot that fight is happening and uh in a couple months send location send location oh my goodness um first of all this is just a a massive fight this is a fight that everyone's been looking forward to uh props to Habib for uh doing a pretty quick turnaround after the death of his father which was so unfortunate and so sad um, but, uh, you know, I hope that Habib is able to bring a hundred percent of himself physically, mentally, spiritually to that fight against Gaethje. He's going to need it. Gaethje, an absolute knockout artist, a smarter and more mature knockout artist also has that wrestling background. And I think that's what makes this fight so intriguing, um, because of Gaethje's wrestling prowess defensively. Right. Um, and you, you typically don't see that out there. You know, typically he's out there just trying to knock your head off, but he will certainly need this, uh, against someone like a Habib. And I am really curious to see what happens if he's able to stop that takedown and how Habib is able to adjust to that fascinating fight. Amazing coming off of Gaethje's last win against a stud in Ferguson. This is the fight, man. It really is the fight. And I think there are a lot of people out there that feel like Gaethje may be more of a live under underdog than Tony Ferguson was, Kenny, to some of your points. But I do think you bring up a good point off the top in terms of Khabib and the mourning of his father, Abdulmanop, and, and making a relatively quick turn based upon that circumstance. I think it might serve him well, as he has intimated on social media, he's going to come to the United States, come to San Jose, California in September. And I just think that's just a, a fun group. And I think if they can get DC in the building and keep it, keep it light, I, I think that might actually aid in that process for him. But, uh, what a fight. I mean, fight Island or otherwise, just hope I get the call for Khabib and Justin Gaethje on October the 24th. All right. Duh. Chris Weidman 
needs a W. So does Omari Akhmedov. Omari Akhmedov actually has, has been on a little bit of a tear here. We'll get into that coming up here in a minute with Ray Longo. First, though, support for the Anakin Florian podcast continues to come in from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. You ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had a full bush coming out of their singlet? No? Well, that could be because the Manscaped craze has caught on. Thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, will keep you clean and without any of those nicks and cuts. Manscaped is also partnered with top-tier MMA athletes, middleweight champ Israel Adesanya, future Hall of Famer Max Blessed Holloway, Francis Ngannou, and many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be to be the best. Well, so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned this lawnmower 3.0, features a great ceramic blade, and I can tell you accidents truly will become a thing of the past. And beyond that, for our listeners and viewers out there who happen to be men, you probably don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there. We want to help you get there to get 20% off with free shipping. Go to manscaped.com now and use the promo code AF. Promo code AF for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, let's get to the Ray Longoman. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, if you're not following Ray Longo MMA on social media, quite frankly, I just don't know what you're doing with your life. It is great to have Ray Longo with us as he joins us every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So Hill runs from a Rob and the team, and you're just there to say, come on, guys, let's go. Do you ever actually run up the hill with them, Ray? Uh, I'm going to say last year. Before my hips started bothering me, I would go up a couple of times. Now that I couldn't keep up with them, it's impossible, but uh, I would show uh, a couple, a couple, hey. but uh, not, not a lot. So I know it's been four or five weeks since you really started to reimmerse yourself, but it's got to feel good, I would think, for you in terms of the camaraderie, right? Just to be around these young men again. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, we were on such a good run, and then it just got taken away, and you're isolated, and uh, feels good to get back. I'm just trying to be safe, and um, so far so good. But yeah, it feels great, and I think. Uh, when you're used to that camaraderie and then you have it ripped away from you, you do feel it, you know, and these guys, they're, they're really all great guys. So, you know, they're friends. It's, it's, a, it's not just, uh, like a team of guys that you go, it's not a job. That, that's what I'm trying to say. They're, they're right. really just good guys. And even if I could give them another one or 2% to get them better on, but it makes me happy and it makes them happy. So, uh, before we get into Chris Wyman and everything that you got going on during this fight week, uh, did you see Derek Brunson's performance against Edmund Shabazian Saturday night? Man, a hundred percent. What a, what a great performance. Uh, I'll tell you, I know you guys pick Shabazian. I know you love Shabazian. Um, Brunson was on a roll, I think a little bit. And, uh, you know, Shabazian still showed great striking, powerful striking, but man, he, the big gap in that grappling, man, like big, t- Kenny, no jujitsu at all, no effort, no... That's a huge flaw. The good news is he's a young kid, really young, and that he's got time to correct all of that, man. He's got a lot of time to correct all of that. So that's why I think the fight should have been stopped after the second round because of his age. Now, if he was 30, I'd say maybe give him a chance if you know him. But this is a young kid. I mean, he took, I think, Herb Dean, 
you know, I mean, I think Edmund should have definitely stopped the fight. I'd love to know what was being said in between the rounds, but that yeah. that those last ground and pound shots were brutal. They were pretty about as bad as you're going to get for consistent ground and pound. The last three shots, and only because he's so young, why put him through that? Because you you look, you already know there's a there's a flaw in what you're seeing. I mean, you could see right. there's a, right. there's a deficiency. Let's get him out of there and correct it. And I think Herb did a great job and just he was as soon as it just went south for a little bit, that was it. He was done. So I think Herb probably wanted to stop it at the end of that second. He didn't. He gave him a chance, but that he just basically yeah. fell to the ground with no resistance and he didn't show any type of leg work or right, Kenny? No, I mean zero, I'm saying. So that was one of those bets, man, that I think got by a lot of people. I didn't I didn't know it was that far. I probably you know, I just bet the underdogs. I don't even right, you know, I, right. I like that. So I didn't even know. They told me that while like right before the fight, somebody said, like, Oh wow, that's huge though. Uh, so I didn't really know much about uh, the kid. I know you liked him. Yeah. And I know uh, he was gonna fight Chris about two months ago, but I don't think he accepted the fight. Had a catch weight of 190 because Chris couldn't make the weight because there was nothing to do. But uh, seems like a nice kid. Seems like he took it the right way. And I wish him the best of luck. He's still got so much time. And, you know, he's got one aspect really, really good. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I had a guy like that. And he lost the fight. Right? He got out-wrestled. And I said, you hit those fucking focus mitts before yeah. you put the time in with the wrestling. And I won't even talk to you again. Like, forget about it. You look good on the mitts. We get it. Right, right. But you just got out wrestled, and that—that's the deal. You got to go back and just his striking isn't going to get worse if he put a year of wrestling in. Trust me, right. you know what I mean. And that's what you got to do. That's the—that's that win to learn. I mean, I hope he goes back and he gets—he does the jujitsu and he gets his wrestling down, and you'll see it. That'll be a different animal in a year. It's not going to yeah. take long. Right. You know, just enough if he—if he has some sort of an IQ, he'll grab that quick. I believe because he's a sponge. He's a young kid. He should be, you know, he could stay in the gym all day long. Couldn't agree more, Ray. You know, I, I wonder uh, what the effect was on him mentally during that fight and conditioning wise, you know, because in that third round, I mean, Derek Brunson didn't even take him down. It just looked yeah. like Edmund just kind of folded down to the ground in the fetal position. So I, it was rough and hopefully he learns from it. But I, I did want to talk about your 185 or Chris Weidman. Um, how's his camp going? How are you guys looking for this fight against uh, Akhmedov? Well, I think the, the good thing for me is, I look, he did three weeks with Wonder Boy. I love Wonder Boy. I know uh, they, he did a great job down there. I had him, you know, I had him before that, and I had him, you know, for the last week. He's healthy. His cardio's in place, and that's all I could ask from him. All he has to do is have a great weight cut. I think they gave him a great opponent uh, that he should get his, you know, he'll get his confidence back with this fight. And I think uh, it's going to be a good night for him. I, I can't see it going south. Uh, for for Chris, what's the game plan for him? Is, is this his attempt at you know trying to get a title shot eventually? Is he just taking it one fight at a time? I look. I don't know what you'd have to talk to him about that as his coach. It's one fight at a time. Right. You need a W. It's one fight at a time. I wouldn't even talk championship run. Just start winning fights. I told him this five years ago don't do anything just keep winning yeah, don't right. don't upset the apple cut just keep winning that's all you have to do and everything will fall into place so i'm not changing my philosophy it's one fight at a time he's got to get he's got to get his legs back under him i think there's a great fight to do that with and i'm excited and that's really why i'm going is to try to ensure that he just stays focused and you know 
he's you know he's getting a little older, but I, as long as I know he's healthy, um, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see you in Las Vegas. So when are you heading out? I'm heading out. Um, I'm heading out uh, Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon as we sit here on a Monday. So obviously no parade. So the parade ringleader is going to be in Las Vegas. Do you have somebody to start the parade route in your absence there in Garden City, New York? <laughs> no, we didn't make a. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait. yeah Cody will step in. Yeah, Cody, take take the reins, buddy. You're right. Where are you in Jersey? Come on. But uh, no, we don't have anybody taking the reins, I don't think. But we, I still have a day or two. To think about it, maybe. Oh, that's we'll, right. We'll, you could get yeah. it in before you leave. I could do that. I, there's a possibility. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to miss the parade myself yeah. if it doesn't yeah. happen. So, uh, so are you packing like antibacterial wipes? I'm fascinated by this transition that's ahead of you because, as I mentioned, humbly, I've done it so many times at this point that uh, it's I don't even flinch going to Miami International Airport. That's literally a hotbed for fucking COVID-19. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that that suitcase will be well stocked with hand <laughs> yeah, sanitizer. Yeah. Uh, and I've been goggling with the hydrogen peroxide. A doctor buddy of mine said, "Listen, every time he leaves the, you know, when he was when he was working with the COVID patients, they uh, he gave me some uh, something to swab my nose with, and goggle with a hydrogen peroxide because it cultures in your in your throat. So right. uh, I'll be well prepared. I'll have uh, I'll have a lot of drugs that I'll be taking." to get me through this and uh it should be good hey ray when you're in vegas just stay underneath annex mustache it will protect you <laughs> yeah, from all you the go. viruses there you go this, yeah let me tell you something kenny i cannot believe that i really can't believe that this guy <laughs> grew his mustache back yeah of course oh is that is that how it looks like i grew yeah i guess so yeah. i again i don't that think was about probably it. 24 hours ago i don't I mean, really right. think a whole lot about it but uh there that's really much better insane. but i okay. could actually I can grow one in like 20 seconds. <laughs> all different kinds. Look at this. Look, all that, that actually kinds. goes up into your nostrils. How about that? Yeah, now this is, uh, they call me Franzois. <laughs> I don't know what, with, with what the that, hell am I what, what are you doing I mean really what happened to me really what the hell just happened totally off the fucking rails I, I mean the in nose I, you know, I mustache no Kenny I have no explanation for what happened to me but <laughs> I'm definitely going down in a blaze of glory I don't know it's the only way. I feel like you're going to do a good one. Thing. There you go. Unbelievable. Ouch. So uh, I actually think this is going to be liberating for you, right? I had this conversation with my wife today. I'm leaving here from from August 12th to August 23rd to go to Vegas because oh, I wow. got to go for both shows and quarantine in between. Oh, whatever it is. But yeah. for me. I get a little break. I get to go work, whereas my wife is just fucking in it every day with yeah. these goddamn children. I say that with all due respect, but I no, think no. for you, Ray, getting out of New York is actually going to be great. Listen, anybody who's ever brought up kids knows exactly what you're saying. You don't have to. You don't have to qualify your opinion. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Everybody's in the same boat. But I, I, my heart goes out to your wife because uh, I basically did absolutely nothing. So my <laughs> wife took the beating. So uh, I yeah. hope you're a little I hope you participate a little more than I did. But, you know, when you go away, it's it, it creates a little problem because, like, again, you might think it's work, but I'm sure your wife perceives it as fun, as does my wife. That right. I'm having a ball out there. They, she doesn't know uh, right. that I'm uh, not enjoying myself out in the sun and at the That's pool. Right. That's right. She thinks I'm having a good time. Right. I don't right. know how to explain <laughs> this to her. 
Oh man, Chrissy is a warrior, John. I oh, mean, I'll tell you so. She hey, had to be in hey. Something like it, something like it, right? Because for me, it's like I used to get so homesick when I would leave, right? And now it's like August 12th is the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. And again, yeah. hopefully Riley, when she gets a little bit older, she skips episode 261, you know? <laughs> yeah, right uh, now the only person care that cares that I'm leaving is the dog, believe it or not. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> else is happy to get rid of me. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. I just like, like a week before I'm about to leave, I just try to annoy everybody as much as possible. <laughs> So that they just they're just happy to see me go. Yeah, they have their own parade scheduled for Wednesday night when you leave. Yeah, imagine that if I see on the, my kids' Instagram that they uh, <laughs> yeah. did a parade because I'm yeah. I'm out of the house. Yeah. Uh, have your daughters commented on the hair at all, or do they know to steer clear of that? I mean, it looks just tremendous. No, I will tell you what, everybody loves the hair. So of course I'm they do. Keep, I'm going to keep it for a while. Yeah. You know, well, I can still grow it, Kenny. Yeah. Why not? Now it is going to come a time. I don't know when that'll be, maybe 80 and 90 when I can't grow it anymore. So I might as well do it now. Let it flow. Let, Let it, it flow. Yes. Would you actually grow it out to the point where you had to put it in a ponytail, Ray? Uh, I don't know. No all right. Throw it. Throw it. Hey, <laughs> in all seriousness, it'll be great yeah. to see you back in yeah, that Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as part of the trip. I really am. I haven't seen this guy, Kenny. I love him. I miss him. Um, I can't well, wait to see you. I love you, and I am rooting for you, right? Listen, I wish you guys all the best. Dinner's dinner on me. All right, I appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not going to restaurants me. right now, but I appreciate that. What Maybe we can. Uh, re- what are you talking about? You're not going to <laughs> restaurants. Where are you going? You're trying to go break bread at a, at a public establishment. I'm trying to lay low just and avoid COVID-19. I'm going to, like, fucking Grubhub and shit, well, you know? Oh, so you're just a water in. No, I mean, we can. Anybody. Well, you know, we can. I mean, I hey, I did go out and eat a couple times with Michael Bisping. So. Oh wow! Oh, it's Michael Bisping. You don't have a no, name when, like when Michael, think, right? No, so no, no, that's what no, he only yeah, goes with cool. celebrities. Ray, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. No, make the cut. Hey, wait, you so dropped wait, that name so there, John. By the way, no, wait, you yeah, yeah, pick that up. Something. You yeah. only went out yeah. to eat with Bisping, or did there were a couple Awful. of cocktails involved? <laughs> if there's Bisping's involved, yeah, no, I don't think it was a sober dinner necessarily. But no, I'm just I'm picking my spots. But obviously, if you want to go out to dinner in Las Vegas, I will make an exception for you. Take it up with Christine. Take it up with Christine. All right. right. Safe travels, man. Look forward to seeing you. Wish you all the best. We'll be watching. Okay. I can't wait to get there. Can't wait to see everybody. And I can't wait for my guys to do their thing. Can't wait. Wish you all the best. Take it easy. Take care, guys. There he is. And Ray Longo will actually be with us from Las Vegas for next Monday's episode because he is staying there uh, to corner, I believe, Marab Cody, right, on August 15th, if I'm not mistaken. One thing before uh, we get to our picks for UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Olenek. So Dominic Cruz said on the broadcast at the end of round two, Kenny, and granted, you know his circumstance, right? He just had his last title fight stopped prematurely in his mind by Keith Peterson. Right. So you hear him say softly on the broadcast, I want Herb Dean in every one of my fights, right? And I do think, generally speaking, the elite championship-level fighters want very badly to have a referee with a longer leash. But I do think Ray brought up an interesting point when you have a 22-year 22-year-old fighter in Edmund Shabazian, you can read his body language there early round three that he doesn't want to be there. I do think it's different, and and I'm not saying a referee necessarily has to think this way, but isn't it different when you're talking about Dominic Cruz at this stage of his career in title fights versus a 22-year-old, or, or is it not different necessarily? Jeez, you know, it, it gets tricky. I, I don't know if 
a referee is supposed to take those things into consideration. My understanding is that they're supposed to look at the fighter as they are, as they would do the same thing for any fighter out there. Right. However, how do you not put that into context in a lot of ways? You know, um, you get a 22 year old fighter. You can, but you, here's the thing. You can come at it with two different perspectives. You could say, Hey, I have a 22 year old fighter who can take the damage. He's younger. He's more physically able to do it than say a, a fighter in his mid thirties. Who's already had a lot of miles on him. So you can either say, this is a younger fighter who can take the damage and keep going on. Or yeah. you could say, uh, no, this is a young fighter who's immature, who hasn't seen, you know, this level of fighting. We need to stop it and save his career. Right. Right. Um, or you get a guy, another guy on the other side, like a, you know, Dominic or whatever and say, listen, I, I, he's had a lot of injuries. He's been taking damage. Let me stop this fight right here, right yeah. now. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, it, that's a tricky one. Uh, again, I don't know if referees, uh, on the whole take right. into consideration the experience and, and what kind of fights those guys have had their age and all that stuff. I think it's important to kind of, I think it is important for, for a referee to consider those things though. No, no right. doubt about it. Right. Well, for, for a kid at Edmund Shabazian who was born after Ken Flo and I both graduated from high school. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I think I'm glad that he was not too tough for his own good and uh, turtled up. And uh, again, I think he's going to win a lot of fights and be in a lot of big fights. And I still think there's a championship ceiling uh, for Edmund Shabazian. All right. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 119 years, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge. Annick. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. It is the main event challenge. We are now joined by... Ian Parker at Ian Parker MMA on social media. And folks, there's a new world order in the main event challenge. It was 90 to 88 for Team Anik going in to the August 1st card. Team Florian wins the week 5 0. 
So this Anik Parker outfit still stuck on 90. It is now 93 to 90. Team Florian has the lead. That's what's up. That's I, what's I mean, up. Uh, don't call it a comeback. I mean, I, I keep doing this. It's like there's always like, you know, you, you kicked my ass early on in the year. And Ian has yeah. done a great job to kind of I, I was actually leading in the beginning. And then, you know, Ian came back. He had a big lead. He was showing off about it a couple of weeks ago. Right. And here we are. I told him I go, dude, just just know I always do this every year. Right around the middle of the year, I start to yeah. come back. So here we are. Ian, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, it's fucking great to see you too, bro. <laughs> so, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, I, I, I listen. you know what, you know what, Kenny has every right to gloat. I'm going to be honest. I was so pumped thinking that I had this whole thing done. Kenny, I was going to tell you if you lost, I was taking that fucking chair that you lean back on and don't listen <laughs> to me every episode. I was going to have you send it to Florida or I was going to wrap it in a duck type of material. So you'd have to always look at me or feel me whenever you were on this fucking show. <laughs> but, uh. I'm not done yet. I still want that chair. I still want that chair. I'm still coming for that chair. I see you switched up your uh, your background from blurry chair. ficus to dungeon. So yeah. Kenny, so I'm uh, I'm fucking pissed this week. So I'm coming back. I'm taking all underdogs, and we're gonna hit every single one of them. So it doesn't matter. Still early. It's still early. It oh, early. it is early. We got five months to go. The UFC is gonna be live almost every week. Just can't afford too many more bagels, right? I mean, we had a double-digit lead that has now evaporated, so let's spin it forward, shall we? First fight, featured prelim in the welterweight division. Lauriano Starpoli, minus 140. Tim Means is plus 120. So Starpoli suffered his first UFC loss to the streaking Muslim Salikov. That was last October in Singapore. I think, actually, Ian Parker and I were watching that fight in his car. Uh, on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Timmy Means Business making his 18th UFC appearance here, Ian Parker. Who do you like, Means or Starpoli? Huh. We were watching that in my car. That's pretty funny. Uh, I think it was that. That was the Askren uh, card, right? Yeah, right outside the little Long Island bagel. Love it. So this fight for me, it's going to tell us a lot about Tim Means at this point, right? So that last fight where he fought against a, new, a newcomer and got smashed to oblivion, we find out that he wasn't feeling great, had some stuff going on. I find it a little interesting, though, he's on the underdog. Uh, Stropoli has not had dominant wins, per se. I, I know he's won by unanimous decision, right. but he hasn't finished anybody. And he's going up against a guy that really likes to bring the pressure. For Tim Means in this fight, though, he's got to get out of that brawling state of mind at this point. I think he's starting to feel the damage a little bit. He's got to use his jujitsu. He's got to use his length up top to set up his jujitsu when he gets to the floor. I don't see Tim Means, though, not coming out here like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Trying to and going two losses in a row against the guy in Stropoli. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I know it's early. We still have plenty of time to do this, but I'm starting off swinging my dick for the fences right now. And yeah, I just said that line. I might've made that up. Maybe I didn't. I combined two puns together. It was yeah, really stupid. Good, good. Kenny's win this weekend really fucked me up. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm yeah. depressed yeah. sitting in my room, but I'm going, I'm going Timmy means. Yeah, not the week to be swinging your circumcised Johnson, but you're pulling it out anyway, huh? <laughs> pulling it out, fully circumcised. This is listen, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this. This is only going to get worse from here. <laughs> yeah, fucking it is. Mood. I'm it just is. letting you know, I'm not stopping. I'm not uh, even wearing fucking pants. Let's go. Uh, uh, Kenny, 
Argentina's Laureano Staropoli or, or Timmy Means for you, pal? Oh, my God. The Anakin Florian podcast, where you learn a lot about the UFC and circumcision. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's our specialty. Did I mention uh, Manscaped is sponsoring the program? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. Too much. Listen, I think Tim Means is, is a tough guy to bet on. Um, you know, there's certain times, even within the fight, where he, where he will look, um, you know, like a high level contender, and then other times where, you know, I, I don't know if it's it's a lot, it's it's a lack of focus or, um, you know, maybe conditioning or something where all of a sudden he can kind of get lit up a little bit. So, I don't know. He's been doing it a long time. Um, but I do think he has enough experience to be able to pull this off. Um, I think when he's using his range, he's using those knees and short elbows. And when he's in nasty mode, um, Tim means is going to be a handful for anyone in that division. Uh, if Tim means shows up, I, I definitely feel like he should get the win. I'm going to go with means as well. And I always try to write down who I think is going to be the favorite or the underdog and where the price would be before I actually take a look. And I had this one flipped as well uh, for whatever the hell's worth. Both the guys like Tim Means at plus 120. All right, so Ian Parker did uh, levy a complaint that Ken Flo wasn't leading on some of the picks. Uh, anyone who listened last week uh, heard Any that complaint. So we're going to have Ken Flo lead here in the lightweight division. Benil Daryush, minus 160. Scott Holtzman is plus 140. It was actually Benny Daryush's knockout of Drakkar Close that led to that meme uh, of me, Rogan, in D.C. that has been repurposed multiple times. That was March UFC 248. Fourth straight win overall for Benny Daryush. Third straight performance bonus. Now he draws hot sauce Holtzman, Ken Flo, who has quietly won two straight, five of his last six. Big fight here at 55. Who do you have? It is. Listen, I don't think this is an easy fight for Daryush at all. I think Holtzman um, is going to be a handful. Just his athleticism alone, I think, makes him a very difficult out. Uh, he's a guy who's always going to come in shape. He's going to be strong. Um, I, I do think that um, he's he might be a little bit more uh, traditional, a little bit sharper or cleaner, you could say, on the feet. But I don't think he hits as hard as Daryush. I don't think he's got the same kind of danger factor uh, with his overall striking that Daryush has. Um, and I also think that, you know, on the ground, Daryush uh, is going to be tough to beat as well. Um, Daryush has improved his wrestling mostly on the offensive side. I think Holtzman, uh, might try to take it to the ground, but maybe more late in the round where he's not going to spend as much time and allow, uh, Daryush to set up a submission. But, um, I, I like Daryush here. Uh, let's go with Benny. Yeah. You set up that fight. Well, I've had a hard time sort of pinpointing what it is with Scott Holtzman because you meet the guy and obviously he couldn't be nicer. It looks like he could rip your head off, right? You put him on skates in a hockey rink. He's an absolute beast. The power Ian hasn't necessarily translated for Holtzman the way maybe I thought it would given the way some of his regional days went your thoughts on Holtzman. And obviously what is a huge, huge spot for him against the oftentimes ranked Benil Daryush. Yeah, I think Holtzman is a, one of the more underrated fighters in this division. I, I think he's very composed. I think he, I just think he's a smart fighter and knows who he is as a fighter. For Dariush here, or as Kenny likes to call him Benny, you know, I guess they're they're boys like that. I'm gonna call him Benny because I don't pronounce anyone's last name correctly anyway. And Benny's super easy to say. I think this is a different fight for him where he's not gonna find himself in danger in the last one against a guy who's willing to swing for the fences. You know, Holtzman doesn't have the speed that Close had, or I don't think and he's a little too hesitant for me in this fight. I think if Benny really takes the fight to him. 
in and out, doesn't stay in the pocket, because I really think Holtzman's only chance here is catch him with one of those hooks, because he does possess power. I think the wrestling goes to Benny. The ground game does as well. As long as he doesn't punch himself out early, throwing a lot of power shots, which you saw him kind of do, that last fight, it was really who was going to land first and harder. And uh, Benny didn't land first, but he landed harder, and that's how he won. I do agree with Kenny here. I think overall he's the better fighter. This matchup plays into his, his favor. I'm going big-time Benny here. All right, at middleweight, we'll have the duck lead here. Darren Stewart, minus 175. Maki Patolo, plus 155. So Stewart had that Cage Warriors fight in March that he lost. That's considered a UFC fight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he fought a UFC fighter, Bartos Fabinski, I believe. Uh, Ian, what do you think about the dentist, Darren Stewart, here against Coconut Bombs, Maki Patolo? I will tell you that that fucking busted my parlay, that loss in the Cage Warriors fight, because I had Darren Stewart in that, and... He did not look like his usual self. He looked a little stiff. Um, he was fighting from behind the whole time. The sense of urgency wasn't there really until the last two minutes of that fight where he could have possibly have pulled it out, but he just didn't look like himself. On the other hand, Mackie Batola looked really good at 185 in his last fight. A lot of people wrote him off, thought he was you know, just a power guy, swing for the fences. He taught us something in that last fight that some of these guys that don't have to cut the weight, not only does the power translate, but they just fight better. I am 100% right now. At the moment, I was surprised the odds were actually this far apart based off Stewart's loss and off of Patolo's last win. I'm going to take a shot here on Coconut Bombs. I like him as the underdog. If this fight stays standing, he's got the power, and Stewart does not fight well off his back foot. I like Patolo. Ken Flomaki Patolo coming off that win in early June at UFC 250 against Charles Bird. You got any thoughts for us here on Stewart and Patolo? Uh, Ian had a solid breakdown. Listen, I, I actually was one of those people that wrote off Maki Patolo. Um, I, I didn't think that he was going to have the experience or um, perhaps the level of striking uh, that would allow him to find that kind of success that he had in his UFC debut. He proved me wrong. Uh, I was really impressed with his composure. Uh, actually, it wasn't his debut. I believe it was his second fight uh, in, in the UFC. I'm sorry. Um, but he, he looked great. Uh, it really looked like he turned things around. He came in very confident, um, was doing the right things. And then I agree. I think the, the key to success here in this fight is for him to really be the aggressor, to lead the dance out there. And I think he'll do that. And Patola will get the win. All right, both guys like Maki Patolo. We mentioned on the show last week, Darren Stewart back in the day actually took Edmund Shabazi into a split decision November 2018. But both guys like the dog, Maki Patolo, in that plus 155 range right now. All right, co-main event. And this also features our Anakin Florian podcast poll question of the week. Because this was a pick and fight between Chris Weidman and Omari Akhmedov, we threw it out there on Twitter. 53.3% of you picked Chris Weidman, 46.7% against Omari Akhmedov. But we want to hear from the cappers, Ken Flo and Ian Parker. So let's take you back real quick to May of 2015. Chris Weidman's 13-0. Since then, you know. He's lost five of six. He's been knocked out in all of them, finished by Dominic Reyes last October in what was a light heavyweight main event. So back in middleweight for this one against the 11th-ranked Omari Akhmedov. Ken Flo, pick him fight, as we mentioned, according to Vegas. We will have you lead here to appease the duck. You going with Longo's guy Chris Weidman at a short price, or you like Omari Akhmedov? You know, I, I do believe that Chris Weidman um, brings a little bit more to the table than Omari Akhmedov. The, the question, I think, is... Um, what kind of Chris Weidman are we going to see out there? Uh, is his confidence the same? Is his body healthy? 
all of those things, I think, are, are kind of the question marks heading into that fight. Um, I think Akhmedov is, I don't know, I, I think he doesn't have the same kind of um, composure in, in the octagon that I would like to see uh, if he's going to face an experienced guy like a Chris Weidman. Um, I do think he's got power. I do think he's got some good wrestling skill as well. I just think that Chris Weidman's a little bit better everywhere. Um, and especially you know, when you're talking about the submission game, I think that's where Chris Weidman can really shine. If yeah. he can put Akhmedov on his back, transition to some good uh, positions off of his ground and pound, he can get a submission here over Akhmedov. That's what I believe he's going to try to do in this fight. And that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I like Weidman in this one and you need a round and uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think second round uh, submission by, by, by Weidman. All right. Chris Weidman by submission in round two is the pick to click for Ken Flo. So Ian Parker, obviously you go way back with Chris Weidman as his first MMA manager, but I want to take you to Akhmedov as well as part of your prediction, because I couldn't believe when I did some research today, the guy hasn't lost since April of 2016 when he was finished by Easy Dos Santos. 5-0-1, spanning his last six. Last win against Ian Heinish last December at UFC 245. There is no overstating how big a spot this is, Ian, for Omari Akhmedov, despite the fact that he is the ranked party at 185 pounds. I know this one plays close to the heart. Chris Wyman, Omari Akhmedov, who do you like and how do they get it done? I think this is the fight that Chris Wyman should have received two years ago. This type of fight against right. this level of guy, you know, he, let, let's, you know, what, what I met up, here's the thing. I, I just think that Kenny said it best. I don't know what he really brings. That's such a threat at the moment, the power, the wrestling, you know, we saw in the Heinish fight, but there was a couple of times where Heinish had some bright spots where he could have also won. And I don't think either one of those guys touched Chris in the wrestling game, you know, the experience it, it, it's, Look, obviously for me, it's tough seeing where Chris got to so quickly and then seeing, I hate to call it a downfall because he fought nothing but killers, right. you know, you know, every, and everyone seems to forget that he dominated Kelvin Gastelum in that fight. And what did he do? He used his wrestling. He used his jujitsu. You're talking about a guy that after six months went to the world championships and, you know, I, I think he placed if I'm, if I'm, in, you know, what, Kenny will probably know that better than me at that point. I wasn't managing him then. So I don't want to, I don't want to be blamed for not knowing that exact stat, but, um, this is a fight that Chris should absolutely win. I, I just really hope for Chris that he's, and Ray's smart enough to know this, the dude's got A-plus level wrestling. His jiu-jitsu's phenomenal. He's a gorilla on the ground. People that have wrestled with him, trained with him. I mean, dude, on day one, this guy walked in the gym when Pete Drago Cell was a big name then, taking him out down at will, never even touched an octagon before in, in his life. You know? So I think this is something based on a level of competition. If Chris is to climb back up that mountain, I do think this is the right matchup skill set wise. I don't think there's too much of a threat unless he gets caught, which can happen in any fight against any fighter ever. So I'm going to go Chris Weidman here. I'm going to actually go. I think he's going to win by ground and pound. So I'm going to go second round TKO. All right. Round two TKO in the co-main for Ian Parker. All right. Main event in the UFC's heavyweight division. UFC start number 20. For Derek Lewis, he is the modest 235 favorite here against Alexi Olenek. We're going to make Olenek plus 205. Perhaps that'll entice one of you to fall on the side of the boa constrictor. I sent it to you guys a plus 195. This would give you an extra point. I'm seeing the plus 200s out there. And for Alexi Olenek flow, I mean, it's just incredible. Like, I don't even have to look. I know he won his last fight. I don't know how he did it, right? 
I do know it was Verdum and he was looked like he was in the shape of his life, but it doesn't matter how old he is. Doesn't matter. The matchup just always seems to find a way. He's won two in a row after what was a very tough 2019. He's looking to go to three and oh here in 2020, but the black beastie and obviously the, the prohibitive favorite here. What do you think, Ian? I don't want to have to start calling you ice Parker. Give me a main event winner. Ian, who do you have? <laughs> oh, Ice, great new nickname. The duck was just starting to catch on. People are going to start throwing ice cubes at me. Start doing that. You hey, have a it's way attention. It's attention. Right, you, got, you got a way bigger following than me. That ice cube shit will be real good, real fast, and the duck will be dead. Don't do that. Um, this is. I can't believe this is a fucking five round fight. By the way, I think I know why the UFC has not used one of my voiceover things on the show. I curse so much they can't use it, so I might have to pull it back a little bit, but. This is a really bizarre fight. This is a really weird fight. I don't know where the matchmaking thought, hey, these guys are going to cardio-wise make it five rounds. I just don't see it happening in general. Um, I don't know who to pick here. You know, I really don't. I want to say Derek Lewis knocks him out, but Olenek is showing us that he doesn't give a shit. He'll run at you throwing these, you know, wild-ass punches, like two windmills, just to get close to you and bring you to the ground. And Derek Lewis is... uh. Not even a white belt in jujitsu, you know? So if that fight gets to the floor, I think he gets subbed quickly if that happens. Now, athleticism-wise, strength-wise, does that happen? God, you would think that wouldn't happen. But with Fabrizio Werdum and his jujitsu, you know, Olenek showed us that he's just there, you know, even though Werdum was a totally different person. I'm sorry for ranting. I really don't know who to pick here, you know? I really don't. I want to take the underdog. Because I think he knows himself. I don't think he goes in there swinging for the fences. We know Lewis is not going to be a threat to take him down. That would be hilarious, right? The prop bet on Derek Lewis getting this win by sub. Um, fuck. At the moment, fuck it. I'll, I'm going to go Alexi Olenek right now by submission in the first round. For now. I will probably okay. change that bet. But for the moment, if this fight even touches the ground this much and he's not sweaty, I think Olenek could actually get the win. All right, Alexio Lenikin, we're giving you plus 205 on him to win. And text me individually, not to the groupie, and if you do want to change that selection. Ken Flo, I would never walk to the window and bet against a submission threat like Alexio Lenik. I wouldn't bet against him. I'm not saying I would bet on him. Derek Lewis, a big favorite here. What do you think about the main event Saturday night? Jeez, man. You know, I, I know why Ian is having a hard time uh, come up with the coming up with a winner. Um, you have Olenek, who is a legitimate submission threat. The guy has more submissions on his record or three times as many submissions on his record than most people have as far as fights. So he has a ton of experience. Um, you know, at his age, he is in the best shape of his life. He is. You, look at, you look at him when he came into the UFC to how he looks now. He looks younger. He looks ripped. He looks ready. He looks motivated. Um, you know, apparently he needs the money right now. Um, I think that he absolutely is capable of a first round submission, but then you have Derek Lewis who, you know, to a Linux submission game, he's got the knockout power. So Derek Lewis is a guy, you know, you have to be very careful, you know, uh, getting into that clinch position, looking for those takedowns. Derek Lewis, uh, is a guy who can knock you out with his hands, his elbows, his knees, his kicks. Now sneaky fast, right? Uh, good athlete. Obviously, he has has faced a lot of other uh, grapplers before, um, and he realizes his vulnerabilities here. Man, I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis first round knockout. I, I think he's gonna find a way to to catch Olenek on the way in, and uh, 
again, this makes it a little more little makes it a little bit more dramatic here against Ian Parker. Yeah. It's a broadcaster's dream. Heavyweight main event that ends in round one. Curtis Blades and Alexander Volkov was not that. So we'll see how it goes for Alexi Olenek and Derek Lewis this weekend. AnnaFlorianPodcast.com if you want to check out the website. MiraceBJJ.com is Ken Flo's school. Ian's going to get out of here soon. We're all going to get out of here. But Ken Flo, Florian's fight forms. We got one coming for UFC 252 for, for Stipe and DC, the trilogy. What do we think? You better believe it, kid. Uh, I'm definitely good. I'm working on it. So I'll be talking right. to Cody soon. All right, I know you have a key to to Meraki BJJ, so you get in there and you film it, despite what the uh, local authorities say. That's right. <laughs> Ian, you got any potting shot before we let you go? Yeah, uh, Kenny actually gave me a key, also, so I'm yeah, gonna yeah, in the back yeah. and uh, trade. Yeah. Uh, no, the only thing I really wanted to throw out there, I'm sure you guys discussed this earlier. Uh, big ups to Derek Brunson, uh, blonde Derek Brunson, for keeping that winning streak alive. Listen. Guys like that, this is what makes the sport so fun. You know, a guy like that who everyone counted out, and we even said this was a showcase for Edmund Shabazian. Uh, John, you called him the best middleweight in the world. No, you I didn't. He was on the way up. No, I didn't. You said Kenny. Is he not the could, best middleweight in the world? He said he could. Reason, you yeah, he said he could be. You can't just talk in absolutes. That's the problem. You fucking put people's words or put words in people's mouths. Don't I speak in absolutes. It, I Check the record. It, I said it in question form, not like saying that's what you said. All right, listen, listen, listen. It's my parting shot. Stop yelling at me. All right? Stop yelling at me. All right? Give me a second. I'm trying to give the guy a compliment. I feel like I got Twitter trolls sometimes on my own podcast, though, right? It's like I put out in 140 characters on Dan Hardy, and people want to read into it, whatever they want. Selective listening is what it is. You know, I love you, and I love that mustache, but for every 500 fucking shots you bury me with, I did one that was in question form, and you still bury me. I'm just kidding. I love you. Let me finish the shot, though. Derek Brunson, big ups. Uh, I would like to see him fight a J- uh, Jack or even a Darren Till. Till's going to be out for a while. It was cool to see him. And Kenny and I both spoke about this. If Derek Brunson gets close to you, utilizes his wrestling, his cardio was fantastic. His hands look better. What Henry Hoof has done with him revived him. It's like a totally different no doubt. This is the guy. This is the guy we thought um, that Derek Brunson was going to be. I think for Edmund Shabazian, He's going to have to really look at himself in the mirror. He's 22. He's young. But that was a little of a bit of a weird thing to see. And I'm not referencing just losing. The way he treated certain positions, you know, and I know Kenny and I spoke about this, the way he turned his back to takedowns, the way he was just so accepting of dominant positions. You know, when you have a lot of success as a young fighter knocking people out, you have to know at some point you're going to get out of that first round and knock them, not knock them out. So, and we talked about this, hasn't been five rounds, you know, didn't face adversity. That was the biggest question that I had for him. He could yeah. absolutely bounce back, but, you know, I think he, uh, I'm also kind of curious to who he spars with, to be honest with you. I'm very curious who they have up there, who yeah. he trains with. So that's yeah. kind of, but best of luck to him. Right. I hope he comes back stronger than ever. So. Yeah. You're right. No, you hit on some good points and uh, he got kicked and elbowed really fucking hard. And you're right to credit Henry Hoof that has really been uh, a good influence and resource for Derek Bronson. And yeah, I love you like a sibling. But uh, again, a little selective there (laughs) with the ears. But I love you, the duck. We got to get on out of here. This has been this has been a Veracity Media Group production. Cody Merrow at the controls. We will be back with you next Monday 
to recap all that goes down. We'll see if Longo can get a win out of Chris Weidman, and then we spin it forward. Of course, it is UFC 252. Cormier versus me. It's just about 12 sleeps from there. So uh, big things coming up for the MMA leader. With that, for Ken Flo, for The Duck, for Ray Longo, for Cody, I'm John Anik saying so long for now. Wear a mask. Don't text and drive. We love every last one of you. Subscribe on YouTube if you'd be so kind. We'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo fucking later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.